Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to the latest episode of Biblical Escapes in Discussion. Today, I am joined by uh, Sam Gregory, the Dorset-based photographer and one half of Tallcast. Good evening, Sam. Good evening, Ewan. Thank you very much for having me on. It's a pleasure to be the, uh, the hunted, not the hunter. Yes, indeed. Absolute pleasure to have you. Um, obviously, we'll get on to talking about your book, Mesozonic, later on. Um, but uh, before we get on to that, it'd be great maybe if you could just give a brief int- or a good introduction to your work, to your background, um, before we kick off in the book. Sure. Um, thank you very much. I... Uh, I won't go all the way back to total childhood, but it's relevant in some ways in that yep. I was I was always the um, designated photographer within the family. So right. when we traveled or anything like that, it always seemed to be me that the camera kind of ended up with. Um, I don't really know why I haven't thought about it too deeply, but why it's pertinent is I did do a lot of traveling when I was younger. So I was very fortunate to have probably had been around the world technically by the time I was 16 in, in full circle. Right. Uh, and that carried on through sort of 16 to mid twenties. I did a lot more traveling as well. So yeah. I think when people have asked me this before, when I've tried to kind of pull back to where the photography interest came from, it did very much start from a traveling uh, and a recording and a capturing and a little bit of um, magic of being in different places and this idea of places existing still when I'm not there, which is a really yeah. odd concept, but I mention it sometimes to people and they look at me like I'm a bit odd. Um, but if you think, you know, all those places you've ever been to, they're still there right now in this very moment at whatever time of day it is at whatever part of the yeah. world. And that I found really amazing when I was younger. So from that, uh, I wasn't doing photography. I didn't study photography at yeah. uni or anything like that. I didn't study uh, design or anything to do with that. I wish I had now, but that's a different story. Um, I was working, <laughs> it's never too late. No. I was working within the music industry, primarily yeah. in my 20s, and I uh, had quite a stressful job in lots of ways, certainly between sort of 25 and early 30s. And photography just became something that as I was doing my travels then and escaping out into the countryside and into nature would be something that I would pick up and I would start to explore. And I know a lot of the outdoor landscape photography was kind of fall into it that way a little bit as well and yeah it was an escape yeah uh physically and and visually I suppose and it gave me a a kind of hobby to to grow and over the next few years that also turned into something that I started doing commercially within the music industry side of things both photography and and videography right and then in the last I would say probably five or six years where anyone who's listening this who maybe knows who I am or might have heard my name will probably have seen me sort of on that landscape photography scene to some degree either uh, through you know the social media stuff or through light and land where I do some tours or through the Togcast which you mentioned the the podcast that I did with Paul for a number of years and um, and so my work I would say and we'll get into this I'm sure has changed quite a lot in the in the last few years and I would say I've transitioned in my uh, quote-unquote journey um in lots of ways and i think that's always very individual and, and unique and we all have our own way so yeah. it's very easy to think about ways as being right or wrong or someone else's work as being better worse or different you know we all just have our own way and we kind of stumble into that more often than not and i think i've probably done that and it ended yeah. up with mesozoic the book <laughs> yeah well that's i think as you say everyone finds their path and it, it changes over periods of time as you might start going down one route and then you, you you take inspiration from somewhere else or you 
you come across someone else's work or something else that just takes you on a different route that maybe focuses you a bit more to you eventually hopefully get to the, the aspect in the area that really interests you and really appeals to you. Um, yeah. And, and I think that I think that actually can always change as well. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's never permanent. It's always yeah. we're always in transition. And I know what I'm doing now, I might look back on and I, I don't I hope I won't look back and with fear like you might do on some of the things from your very early work. Yes. But I know that my my um, my work will look quite different. I think probably the thread and we may get into this is the storytelling side of it. Yeah. How those things aesthetically come out will, will vary depending on the stories and the subjects. Yes. But um, I think the other thing I've probably found is how much photography can help me and how I'm sure it helps you and lots of others who can kind of lose themselves in it. And obviously in the last year, that's been probably an important thing for people if they have or haven't been able to get out to different thing. Um, but it does definitely develop you as a person and how you interact with the world, how you respect the landscape and or people and or everything else. So those are interesting things that can come to you and, and furnish your work as well later. Yeah, absolutely. So to, Moving, moving swiftly on to talking about your book, which is the real reason why you're here. Obviously, you um, you brought this out last was it last May June time, just at this just after yeah kind of the first phase of lockdown, um, before the floodgates opened for the rest of <laughs> lockdown, and my bookshelves expanded tenfold or something like that. Um, but I would love to know. I I really. I really like the work. I love the I love the variety of subject matter that you've shot, that you've captured in the story that you tell. And it, it really is clear from not just this book, but looking at some of your other more recent work as well, that you really have a, it feels as though you have a real strong interest in the natural landscape and man-made and what man has done to the to, done to land. And I really just love to to get an understanding of what stems that interest for you and how is it how has it evolved into into producing this book yeah i mean well from the mesozoic point of view yeah um if anyone doesn't know if they haven't got the book which i'm sure many people won't um it, it's a story about the mesozoic era in time which was from 252 million years ago to about 65 million years ago. He says, panicking, thinking I should probably fact check that because it's been a while since I've talked about it. Yeah. Um, but basically it, it covers how the earth changed. And so when I look back on it and I think I tried to tell a story of tens of millions of years in a, in a small book, it seems moderately ridiculous and it probably was. But um, I think if we get to what interested me in that story was just literally reading about reading about it in my local area so i do live down in dorset on the jurassic coast yeah. and obviously photographically a lot of people as soon as you say you live in dorset some themes and things will just pop straight into their head which we all know which yeah. is cool uh, and that's those a lot of those locations are really interesting and and uh, if you've never been there especially it's really exciting to go but i think i i was at a point where i had a bit more time locally to explore yeah, I'd been reading a lot of stuff about the Jurassic Coast in terms of dinosaurs, in terms of how the Earth changed, and really for me it was um, it was a case of exploring time. So, a lot of landscape photography that we do and that I do is here and now, and yeah. we see it as the here and now. And even if we're dealing with like the inner landscape stuff, you know, you, you, some David Ward obviously is a great proponent of, of that and of many other things. But 
we all still know it's right now yeah. and and that's fine it can live now but i was intrigued by the fact that i could play visually with a period of time where we have no idea what it looked like uh, we can read about people guessing yes. but nobody can ever know and that gave me sort of carte blanche to just go completely you know outside the box i mean i couldn't even see the box anymore i think um <laughs> So, yeah, it was this idea of playing with time. How did the earth change over time? And how could I represent that visually uh, with no rules about uh, horizon, about up, down, left, right, scale, yeah. anything else like that? I could, I could play with everything. Um, but that initial interest, yes, came from reading. And most of my work, I would say now, especially is inspired by things I've read about, either in local history or in I would say current affairs, certainly stuff I'm working on now that no one's seen because I'm usually a couple of years ahead, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, most of my inspiration definitely comes from outside sources, not really photography in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah, because you mentioned a, a great point there when you when you say you're really thinking out of the box and it gives you carte blanche to play with scale. And I was before before we started talking, I was showing my wife some of the work as well. And it's one thing she commented on. She said, the scale is wonderful because you really have no appreciation for whether it's small, whether it's big, and and just the different aspects that you photograph as well. And a lot of the ICM, it just it allows your mind to create its own vision of what you of the story that you are telling. There's no real fix there's there's no real you're not applying one specific this is the way it is it's you're demonstrating your story that everyone can then visually appeal and create whatever journey they want to tell in their own head as well if that makes any sense yeah I, yeah no definitely there's there's ambiguity in a lot of the images yep. for reasons of how they're shot but also of the, where i'm setting them yes. so if we're talking about a time we have no concept of immediately i'm asking the viewer hopefully to come and escape because photography in lots of ways is escapism certainly for yeah. me and i don't necessarily just mean the mental and physical sides of doing it i mean yes. through how we imbibe images yeah um yeah i'm asking them to come with me but we're all going to have a totally different idea of what that might have been which is Absolutely. cool yeah yeah definitely that's the idea I, anyway yeah in terms of in terms <laughs> of you yeah, everyone everyone's got to start with the idea and in, t in terms of your approach the, you're, you've structured it very clearly into uh, things at five or six different yeah. thematics and do, I mean, I, 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 I'm working on the basis that you, you strategically re research different locations in which to build up the bodies of images within each of the, the different sections within the book as well well I'll tell you it's not really a secret because if anyone I've done quite a lot of sort of zoom club talks and things like yeah. this about this so I'm, I'm conscious some of the people listening may have heard me talk about that so I'm definitely going to sneak in some other stuff tonight but <laughs> the, the whole project all, yeah. all those sets of there's five sets and each within each set is six images which makes up the whole thing it was all shot within 10 meters square on one beach yeah over over multiple visits yeah um in about a three month period in 2017 believe it or not uh, so it's three years from taking it to ending up in the book, uh, yep. which we may get into. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it, um, how it came together, it's very easy for it to sound like a linear progression of, I had an idea, I was reading about the prehistoric period, yep. I went out, I shot a load of images that would tell that story, and then I put them together. It doesn't wholly work like that. You, you have ideas in your head because you've been reading, 
you still have to be creative with your camera and treat things like uh, aesthetically and yeah. you still have to work that way and then over a period of a few months with what I was reading and what I was writing it all started to kind of make sense to me that if you look at the sets they are very themed in terms of color or shape or movement yeah and those absolutely. themes just started to make sense to the story which was uh, a stroke of luck no it was totally planned <laughs> it, it does it, it works so well as, as you say I think the tones in particular and the shapes and the patterns that you've created they they just gel they're so coherent from within each set that make it visually a, a beautiful book to to work your way through and work your way through the story that that you're telling um, and i think from looking at the work in your or the other work on your website as well very much storytelling seems to play a very big part in the work that you're now you're now certainly producing um, and also the his, the historical the man-made element seems to come across or the the lack of man-made element seems to come across very well as well which obviously must have a big interest in terms of what you're passionate about in terms of climate crisis and climate change and everything like that as well yeah definitely and, and there's a whole load of stuff which will probably come out at the end of this year <clears throat> um which i i sort of feel I finished um, yep. but I didn't quite get a chance to do it last year uh, which is definitely to do with environmental concerns in, in one particular location which tells the story really neatly um, in a sort of microcosm I suppose but I think with regards Mesozoic and just storytelling generally yep. you know it's the oldest it's one of the oldest things you know from cave paintings to uh, fairy tales and myths I quite enjoy reading things like that that often gives me inspiration for photographic things that may never come to pass but with a story, any viewer, they needn't be an avid photography fan. They could just be a person from the local area or someone who's interested in prehistory or whatever it might yep. be. And so I think in the introduction of the text and how it was kind of spaced and planned through the book hopefully means whether you're a... Because let's face it, some of these images are kind of photographers' photos. But I think with the, with the text and the story alongside it, I hope that makes it a lot more uh, approachable for other people who who just like a story of any type, a movie, uh, whatever it might be. We all understand a story has a beginning, usually a middle of sorts, and yeah. then an end. And, and it so happened this period was, was bookended by two mass extinction events, which gave me cues to work with visually to, to begin and end the book in chaos, which the series at the beginning and the end obviously look like. Yeah, yeah, I think you touch on a good point there by by introducing the elements of text through the book as well. It does become the the story and the journey become more accessible to maybe perhaps the non photographers who enjoy the imagery, but the story actually gels it all together, maybe slightly better for them from that perspective. But so in terms, obviously, you started uh, started the project back in two thousand and seventeen. Was a book always the intended outcome or was it just a, a project you were keen to explore and just see where it led to? Yeah, I think uh, I definitely didn't have a book in mind at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I think it was more that I was keen to do something different uh, um, and I was keen to explore this side of this story, as we've said, about the Jurassic Coast and why it's so important and how the earth changed, as I say, in that time period. Yeah. And to try and express that visually. I think probably after I'd done a lot of the shooting in like a three month period, you know what it's like, you you end up, especially with some of the techniques I was using, you end up with yeah. a lot of images and you have to cu curate that down. 
and I'm a, I'm a slow burn. Um, yeah. I know you've had Bruce on here and, and he probably drilled that into me and he actually drilled a lot of, you know, the way I work has come from him, Bruce Percy in lots of ways. Yeah. Uh, even though our work probably now, I would argue looks very different from each other. A lot of the principles behind how I work probably come from him. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, I, I probably got about six to 12 months in and I realized there's a lot of images here that actually work for the story. And so it did take six to 12 months. And I think what happened after that, I still didn't really have a book in my mind. I started doing uh, talks and a few things like that. And I started introducing it to the public, quote unquote, yeah. um, before it had ever been on the website. So lots yeah. of people who uh, who I do talks for heard about it and but would never see it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> And I kind of just really did about 18 months of that. And I thought right. really at the end of that, I've done this completely the wrong way around. I should have made the book. And then all these talks I'm giving, I could be selling the book, but <laughs> there you go. Um, but it had to, the project had to kind of come to a natural conclusion. And for me, when I had looked back at it, I thought this really will suit, I think for me, I think it really will suit a book. It had a particular poignancy for the time that I was shooting it with because of what was happening in, in my life and everything else. Yeah. And it, and it just made sense for me because of the story aspect and it didn't, need much work to be frank i mean the sequencing was already done because i sequenced stuff for the website in the yes. same way it would end up in a book so i didn't have any worries about which pictures going where yeah. how's it going to run that was done kind of thing which obviously most uh projects don't always work quite like that you might have to you know hassle down from 100 to 50 or 40 or whatever it might be yeah uh, but i'd already done all that which made it a lot easier yeah, and you, I think you, also, you obviously had the benefit in that everything, even though you had your bigger selection of images, the fact that they were all they were already within smaller sets makes it even easier because you're you've got a natural natural flow of the story through through the body of work. So, so yeah, so it's very interesting just to hear how I think some people start with books in the back of their mind, other people it's something that maybe comes much much later on. Um, so it's really just quite interesting to see that. Uh, you started very much with a with a very focused project at the beginning, but yet the book was only something that perhaps came later on. And do you think going forward, in terms of your your future work, is a, is a book maybe more of a an output that's maybe more of a thought as opposed to necessarily the afterthought as as this one was? Yeah, I mean, I was worried that if you if you've already determined what it's going to be that has a different effect on the creative side at the beginning. Yeah. That's what yep. I'm slightly worried about. So yes. there's a couple of, you know, people who know my work or who have a look on the website, they'll see there's a lot of stuff from the Dolomites. And I, I would love to do a Dolomites book. There's, I already have the kind of idea for the theme and the story, uh, but there's still some work to be done on it. But I, I don't know. I think if I said to myself, right, I'm going to do this project and it's going to be a book right from the very beginning because you you must know right and a lot of people listening will know when you go out and you're shooting uh, a a lot of people won't be thinking in projects at that point anyway they'll just Absolutely. be shooting individually yeah. I I don't now I, I only think in projects so I shoot a lot less than people probably think in in 2020 okay we had the whole situation but I went out with my camera locally about three times yeah uh, and and I and I did a week in Italy because we were we were over there for something else in September. Um, so even in 2019, I probably went out less than 10 times with my camera in the year for myself for my own yeah. work. Um, so if I go out now, I know what I'm going for and I know yeah. the things I'm thinking about. But but I don't necessarily know what they're going to end up being. 
yeah. nine times out of ten they end up being nothing yeah. <laughs> um but, but we don't show people that stuff obviously absolutely it's interesting because yeah from making some of the small handmade books that i make just for my personal self um yeah it's it the the making the books now some of them are only nine ten eleven images but it does change the way i approach photography i approach my photography because i'm now very much working in i very much like working in small projects and i don't necessarily think on huge big numbers of 50 60 images that you see in some books but actually smaller amounts and it does change the way for the for the times that i'm able to get out that yes i'll i, I will maybe be far more focused and I'm not looking to go out necessarily and just capture one big vista. It's it's pulling together a body, a collection of images that represent mm. whatever it is that you, that you're working on at the time. And I think it does. They, they they can influence you, but as you say, if you start with a book in mind, it maybe takes the project down a slightly different direction than otherwise it would naturally go down. Yeah, and I wonder what your self curation is when you know you have to do a certain amount of things, right? Because there's yeah. the danger of I, I need this to be a set of X, Y, or Z. Therefore, and I've done, I've been guilty of this, and there's stuff yeah. out there of mine that I, I would, I would look back on now and go, well, that shouldn't have been in there. Yes. Not necessarily mes- anything in Mesozoic, but um, certainly project stuff that's been on the website. But you know, I, I think it's really important to stress that everyone will work differently, right? So mm-hmm. if you are someone who goes out and enjoys um, the the uncontrollable and the improbable and chasing that then go and do it. Absolutely. I am a bit of a control freak and I don't like that. <laughs> I like to know where I'm going uh, and I like to have kind of an idea and I like my to feel like whatever wherever I am, I can kind of make something happen. Yeah. And I'm not dependent on any other condition or whatever it might be. Now, there might be times where you need it in a particular condition yeah. or a place yes. or something like that, but um, we all have our own way of going and that's what makes photography so interesting because everyone does come at it, you know, from a different angle. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone, everyone brings their own perspective to it. So um, obviously within your book, are there maybe a selection of images that are particularly, uh, particular, particular favorites or tell a particular yeah. story? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for anyone who who has got the book they'll they'll see and they'll know that the five series like, like the five sections within it are quite different visually yes i think for me the, the second section which is basically telling the story of when there was a there was a network of sandy rivers yeah. uh, and the water was coming across this arid landscape and i was very careful about the words i used to kind of signpost where the images were going uh, so it's a series of six images uh, where you have the the orange and the browns of the sand and the sw- and the water swirling, and I think why it's important to me that set is a I think it works most coherently of all of them uh, from a tonal balance, yeah. a movement, everything else. But it was the it was the set that got me going in a way. Yeah. It was experimenting with that, learning that um, although water moves in an uncontrollable fashion, with work I could control what I wanted from it, even. At, at slower speeds and even on the move and everything else and actually that became quite a cool thing that I could mold I could mold it um I mean I'm not sort of some sort of doctor who or whatever but you know I it, it was exciting let's say that yes. I, I was on the beach working with that and I thought oh this is really cool because I know that works with my story because of how the water was moving across the land and yep. so that was the set that was all shot on one morning 
that just absolutely pushed me on the path to I can do this. It, it does make sense. And there will be images that do make sense to the text and vice versa. So yeah. I would say from a set point of view, th those that, six, the second yeah. set are really important. Yeah. Um, there is one other image, uh, which, oh God, I should know. It's my book. Uh, I'm flicking to now. If anyone has the book, it's page 37. It's the last one of the fourth section. And oh, yes. it's, it's because I'd been to this set of uh, rocks and beach and I told you it's in a very short period of uh, a short uh, space, literally 10 meters or so. And I'd, every time I'd go to the same place and put my bags down and I would just sit there for a little bit and kind of imbibe, you know, and yep. just zone in, if you know what I mean. Yes. And on the very last day of shooting, I just turned and picked my bag and, and I'd been to this place like 30 times and this dinosaur's head leapt out of this rock. I, I could just see a dinosaur's head in the rock. And um, for yeah. me, I could see the jaws and the eye and the tuft of hair. And it's a bit of a kind of soppy thing to say, but I felt like the beach was giving me like, yeah, that's cool. Here's a dinosaur, but you're done yes. now. <laughs> and and I've been back literally once or twice, even though that's probably my second most local beach. Um, I kind of have this weird thing now that I definitely can't go there with a camera because it gave me so it gave me a lot of stuff and yeah. we had a, a mini relationship me in the beach and now I, I i don't ask it for anything else anymore yeah um we did our thing and that was that it's it's quite a nice way to to end on on that point yeah. in terms of yeah it's been it's produced a beautiful body of work a lovely project so yeah it's move move down the coast now to the next beach and see what that one yeah. <laughs> what, what that one can deliver but from from a from a personal point of view, the um, I I I really enjoy I really enjoy looking at the book. The I love the variety of methods, the mixture of ICM that you've used, but yet also the beautiful pin sharp tones that you've got in particularly in I think it's section three, which is the ones with the beautiful orange boulders and the black rock underneath. And the, for me, the colours and the movement in the water with just with the foam, they're just beautifully, beautifully composed and, and beautifully striking. And it's it's when I look at them and I'm, I've got them up on your website at the moment, the scale, th that wee pebble could be absolutely tiny. And at the same time, it could be absolutely huge. And that's something I enjoy. It's it's allowing my mind to just play and wonder and think and and question what was it like? What what was the environment like? And and I, I just I find it I find it for me personally really relaxing and just very enjoyable to look through books. And as you can tell, I've got I've got a lot here. And it's great just to be able to sit down, open a book up and and take it in and take someone else's journey and story in that they are that they're trying to share and try to tell with you. So, um, yeah, yeah it, it's a beautiful thing. And obviously there's a, the book sold out quite quickly, I think. So there'll be a... Yeah, um, yeah, it, it did. I mean, uh, it was one of those things that I just didn't know what my audience was, really. Yeah. I mean, and a lot the, a lot of people will know me from the Toddcast and that that's kind of was an audience, but it wasn't necessarily an audience for me. That was yes. a Toddcast audience, if you if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, because it wasn't just me; it was Paul and, and the guests and everyone else that kind of yeah. took part in it. But so it was a little bit of a nervy thing. If I don't quite know, well, two twofold really. The work's quite different. Um, I I hope it's pretty unique. Uh, yes. Yes, there are technique things that other people are doing, 
I don't know how many people have married have married technique with stories particularly yeah. successfully. They tend to exist as an aesthetic thing on its own, which is yeah. fine, but it's yes. different. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't like if I came with the Dolomites book, I would have been a lot more confident about the numbers because yeah. it's mountains and snow and good stuff like that, which are more people, it's more accessible maybe visually. Yes. Yeah. Whereas this is quite niche. Yeah. So there was a bit of a quibble as I just pushed the button on the order, um, which maybe we can talk about because yeah. I think a lot of people out there who, um, you know, I, I, no one came along and asked me to publish the book because no one had really seen the work for a start and B, yeah. why would they? There's hundreds of great things, you know, the publishers could be doing and you just have to be on the right radar or in that right circle or whatever it might yeah. be. But so I knew I had to go off and do it myself, basically. Um, we've already mentioned that the sequencing and whatnot had already kind of taken care of itself. Yep. But, uh, and I did, I know in design through other work things I have to do, but I wouldn't say I was any sort of InDesign wizard. And so there was definitely a couple of weekends of me swearing violently at the screen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can do it, everyone, if you're out there. And um, it's a great satisfaction to know that every part of this I put together. So the whole design. Yeah. So I did bounce it off a couple of people. And I know you had Darren on with Bruce uh, a few yes. weeks ago. And, and I, I sent a finished kind of design to Darren and I said, what do you think? <laughs> no, like, yeah, cause I trust him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he just came back and he said, yeah, I wouldn't change anything. Yeah. Basically. And, and I had a couple of other questions for him about paper type and everything, which I just don't have experience of doing for yes. photo books. Yeah. And he very kindly gave me his time. Cause he's a good lad. Yeah. Um, and then I ended up getting to Greg at cozy, but via a slight, um, a slight, reroute and i tried a couple of people online i won't say the names of the companies yep. but they're very famous ones that lots of people do signs with and then i found out um that actually they're not they're not the printers they're just a software company and then yep. they outsource to different printers depending on who's got capacity and price and everything else yeah and so when i ordered some test things i got back like three different versions from the same file and i thought Okay, well, that's not good. Right. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm probably going to have to really go to someone who is actually the printer and knows what they're doing. And yeah, I probably need source. a bit more help yeah, than I thought I did uh, because I couldn't understand what the differential was because I knew the file prep was all good and everything else. Yeah. So I, I know Greg's probably like the second most mentioned person on this podcast with, with Ian um, as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I did reach out to Greg because I, I, I knew I knew of him. We'd never yeah. really communicated uh, but I said, look, I've got the design. I don't need, I don't feel I need any help with that. Yeah. Um, it's ready to go. I, I need a tiny bit of help with understanding paper. Yes. Um, but my fonts, everything, it's all good. I've got a print ready PDF essentially. Yeah. Um, and Greg was great. He gave me a bit of a hand just understanding the paper options and what might suit it. And it's yeah. not a huge book, as you know, it's, yeah. um, I can't remember the size, but it's about nine by nine inches wise, isn't yeah. it? Um, yeah. But it suits it's, that little story. Absolutely. And the, this the with your images all being square it really the whole design and the whole flow of it works really really well i i, I really like the 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 grid the, the the opening page of each section i think works really nicely it's you've got the wee mini grid and then you then naturally flow into the three pages and i think yeah i think your sequencing's spot on and the, the book feels manageable size but you see it's only what 48 pages but it feels really mm. substantial and really significant and nice a nice good paper choice as well and 
Um, yeah, it's it's. I think it's always a it's always a challenging process when it comes to sequencing. You're maybe it's maybe slightly different from your perspective because it already been done for the website and there's a very natural flow. Whereas I think some people when they're approaching as they've maybe been doing in the last nine months, doing their own zine and they've got all their images. And as, as I talk many times, it's they've got the favorite images and it's right, okay, that image doesn't work. I bet it's my favorite image. Well, you need to get rid of it. And that, that, but that's the biggest challenge. And I think sequencing probably is one of the biggest ch challenges in terms of dating a book that looks good and that flows right. And you've got yeah. to take a, you've got to take, as you say, you've got to, have it to a point and then bounce off other people who have got no emotional connection with the book or with the body of work, but at the same time will give you an honest opinion. There's no point sending it to someone, particularly family members, to say, yeah, that looks great. That's of no use yeah, to yeah, yeah. that's of no use to man or beast because if you if you need a pickup, it's not a bad idea. But yeah, strategically it's probably not a great absolutely. idea. Absolutely. <laughs> and it says I've I I get a few people who send me who send me up drafts to take a look at and it's really quite interesting. I, I always record as a wee video just flicking through it because as opposed to writing down my comments because you then get a natural reaction in terms of if there's a pause, mm. generally it's people are, why why is there a pause? Or it, it can be more of a natural way of providing feedback. And yeah, it's it's always a challenge to get the flow of your book right. Um, and that's where, that's where you, the benefits of, been able to bounce off likes of Darren and, and other people who, who do design for a, a living. Yeah. And I think it's actually, it's probably good to point out. I did actually bounce the work off Morag uh, Patterson as well be yep. before it kind of got anywhere near a book idea. In fact, she saw it like in 2018 very early. Right. And I just bounced off her because I said, I don't know if I'm completely like off piste with this and it's yes. just utter garbage. I don't think it is. I think it's probably the only <laughs> interesting thing I've actually ever done um and you tell me what you think and she came back with some good comments and you know and was very helpful and gave me a time because she's kind of super cool like that yeah and and charlie saw it just before print as well charlie wait who i yep. obviously work quite a lot with now um and he gave me some thoughts about it too so i think it's good to get other people looking at it but i do think if you're if you really believe in it um you, you have to just stick your neck out on it and you might get it wrong there's a couple of things i probably would do slightly differently now but yeah. with the benefit of hindsight it's easy yeah. to say isn't it well that, that's um, it hindsight's a wonderful thing but you can guarantee that if and when you produce another book once you've done a second book you'll look back and think hmm, there's a couple of things i would do differently and it was it was interesting speaking to as you say bruce and darren because they've now been working together on bruce's books for 10 years five books preparing the sixth one and they were saying yeah every every books and you just make slight tweaks you learn different bits and pieces about about each one that you can then yeah. move forward into the next one and it's a moment in time um, but yeah it's a it's a really nice book and i'm sure greg as well would have provided all of his expertise, expertise yeah he was and great advice particularly yeah. when it comes to paper selections it's i think i've got i've got gf smith's a paper book over on my desk which is about four inches thick um, and but it's fantastic because you look online right okay it's 130 grams or 170 gsm and i can go over to that book and i can look at the two papers side by side and they may not be the same papers but it's the same weight so you can begin to immediately feel right that's what that paper feels like that's what that paper because it's a total minefield it's like yeah. gloss matte it is coated silk who knows 
Yeah. And I kind of was at the point where I didn't want to know everything about it. I just needed it to be what I wanted it to be, which is difficult for the person helping you because they kind of say, well, you kind of need to know. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I can tell you what I want it to be. And I can show you examples of that. I don't need I don't care how you get there. Just get there. Just tell I me think the answer. What, yeah. The, the other important bit I would say for people, if they are thinking of doing it, is go and look at all the books you have on your bookshelf yeah. and, and pile through them and think, OK, well, I like this part of that i don't like how that works or how this yeah, feels absolutely and and, he, and you, there's a whole mine of information there and each um story will demand its own thing like we've said this is quite small and the the egotist in you would you know thinks big huge but it, it there's only 30 images and had the book been any bigger it just would have been weird because it, there's not enough images for it to be bigger if you yes. see what i mean so yeah you have to know what you're trying to present as well but it it was fun it was um it, it didn't didn't feel fun in moments of InDesign, but it was fun. And certainly when the final thing came out, I was pretty happy. It kind of was what I thought it was going to be. Um, and so, yeah, they did go pretty quickly. The last few uh, went through talks and whatnot. But I was I was happy that people were open-minded to something uh, quite different and that they probably hadn't seen from me before anyway. So um, that was cool. Yeah, and it must, it must give you a good, a good boost of confidence to know that there, there's interest in that work and which can then feed forward into into other work that you're doing and just lets you know that one fact yeah there are people who are interested in in the storytelling aspect of of what of what I'm doing yeah and I think actually one kind of final point on on that project was the tech people do sometimes ask me about the techniques and obviously it's a mix of different things as you know there's there's ICM there's macro there's all sorts of things going on but kind of the point of the technique is always to service the story yeah so my my vibe isn't those techniques those techniques made sense to this story because of the impermanence of what was happening in in the subject matter yeah what i'm doing now like the project printed out behind me being ready to curate yeah. is completely different and and each story and subject will demand of me a different thing and the photographer should be able to have everything in their arsenal to deliver the story and the image that's pertinent to what they're doing whatever that technique is doesn't matter because all it's doing is it's like a seasoning servicing the dish or an ingredient servicing the dish you know yeah yeah the right thing with the right thing basically yeah so what are you are you able to obviously you've been busy printing i've seen you post them on a uh, social media you're you're printing yeah you're printing <laughs> yes is this obviously f- future work that you've been you've been busy working on yeah so i think uh, i don't know if you're the same but i know a lot of people like to print stuff out and kind of live with yep. it for a bit um i was at the point where there is a finished section of this who the work may get bigger it may not but it i've kind of strimmed it down from whatever it was to 30 to 40 ish and yep. then that'll probably get strimmed down a bit more but i find with that number i have to physically have them out on a big table yes. i have to just move them around to understand uh the the sequencing because those are one big story that there's not sections like there was in Mesozoic, which made my life yeah. a lot easier. Yes. So I'll have to do a proper job of curating that and probably give it to someone else at some point as well, just to see how they would differ. But yeah. I do think printing it out and, and getting it in front of you, if you've got a good number of them is really important if you can do it at home. Um, yeah. because feeling them and seeing the tones of them yeah. is different to looking at them on the screen absolutely well, the thing is you can even start very small and print out contact sheets if you've got lots yeah. of them and just even as a starting point and if you've not got much space and just lay them all out and you begin to meet you begin to see sequences and sequence and 
and groups and collections of images that perhaps work well. And then, then it's a, you, you can look and see, oh, these images look really great, but it might be three or four images that work really well together. But they, they just stand out from everything else, be it subject matter, shape, tones or whatever. And um, I, th I think these are the things that you only, you can't see when you're on screen. You only really truly see, I think, once you've printed them out and, and yeah. spending time with them and it's looking at them every day then I think so many personally I work very very slowly so I will sit and look at the same images for week after week after week and make minor tweaks and other people will maybe just it's right okay let's get more images out and I think actually yeah. when it comes to doing a particularly bigger project it's better I think for me it works better to actually spend some time and just move things around and then make minor tweaks and adjustments here and then you can begin to print them out bigger and bigger and as you say, everyone has their own different ways of working. Exactly. Yes, we're very diplomatic, aren't we, mate? Very diplomatic. Always got to be. <laughs> always got to be. Always got to be far, far easier <laughs> in life. To be perfectly honest, so, yeah. yeah. Dip, dipl diplomacy is definitely the way forward with these things. So before uh, before we close things, it would be great to uh, get an understanding of some of your favourite photo books from other photographers. It's always a always, as I say to everyone, I find it really interesting. Uh, particularly because there's always normally one or two curveballs that uh, people throw in. The best example was Paul Kenny and his book on photographed vegetables, which, yeah. lo and behold, <laughs> who'd have thought that? that? But but it but it's always interesting. That it just it just lets you see what makes other photographers and everyone else tick, and what appeals to one doesn't necessarily appeal to others. So uh, bring yeah. them on. Well, I I think like and I've heard quite a number of the episodes now, and I think like a lot of people it's really difficult right because you you do you swing a little bit on what you yeah. like and different things have affected you in different ways so i've tried to i've picked a couple of things which probably um one's one's quite current yeah. um one one is a bit more about a person who's affected me and the third one is something which i'd say has probably affected me for a number of uh, a period of years so yeah um very good uh, let me show you uh, obviously, the listeners can't see this. So I'm fully aware of that. But the first book is by Stuart Franklin. Right. And it's called Analogies. Analogies. Okay. Okay. So Stuart Franklin is uh, uh, actually would probably get described as a documentary photographer. He's yep. a magnum photographer. He's the guy that did the uh, tank image that was very yes. famous uh, yep. with the student in front of the tank. Yes. Um, but actually, in, in the last, well, not even in the last number of years, but for 20 odd years or so, he's been working in the landscape as well as some of the documentary stuff. And so there's a number of his books out there. Narcissus is a really is another really good one from his time when he was living in Norway. Um, and he's written a really fantastic textbook called The Documentary Impulse, which I would advise people to go and read as well if they're interested in uh, documenting and the storytelling side of photography. So... This particular book, though, Analogies, um, is uh, full of what I would call visual metaphors. Yep. So it's lots of um, inner landscapes where there are human-type figures, right. there are shapes, there are yep. things, you know, where we see, there is a word for it, I should know because I wrote a blog about it fairly recently, and um, where you see, you know, shapes and things within rocks. Yep. And it's quite interesting because the books is a, is a mix of him seeing that in man-made subjects and also him seeing that in nature as well. Right. Um, it's all black and white. Um, nice. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it's shot, I think he's a 
mix of film and digital, not that it makes any odds. Yeah. But there's some really beautiful work in there. Um, and I think those of you out there that like uh, inner landscape work and like that um, reflective work and the, the idea of visual metaphors would really, would really, really enjoy it. And it's something I would say, it's the most interesting book from within the landscape that I've seen pretty right. much, okay. uh, certainly in a number of years. I wouldn't say it's your traditional landscape photography book. Yep. He happens to be a photographer who yes. spent some time working in the landscape, landscape. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, Stuart Franklin analogies. I would check that out. It's a really good Very book. Good. Sorry, mate, that might cost you some money if you don't have it already. Yeah, um, loads of them cost me money. <laughs> now, the the I've kind of cheated a little bit with the next one because it's two books by one photographer, but one of them is a very text-heavy book. So it's Nick Danziger. Yeah. And the book is Danziger's Britain. And uh, it's called A Journey to the Edge. Now, this is actually a, a, a documentary book where he writes about visiting lots of different cities in in England in the mid nineties, um, yep. in a in a time where I was in my teens, and so there are little pockets of images within here, and it's all very much of a documentary ilk, uh, which I would say is definitely more what I take joy from photographic book wise. Yeah, um, but it's it, this is very heavy on text, but it's really really an amazing book uh, to yeah. read about Britain, especially people of my age or even a bit older because they would have been in late teens at that time. And they will recognize a lot of the scenes and the things he talks about. It's, it's often people who are in difficult situations yeah. and who've struggled because of Thatcherism and everything else that happened in the eighties. But it's, it's a fascinating book. The, the images remind me very much of uh, a lot of the books from Cafe Royale books. They are, yeah. I really like the, I really like the books. I've got quite a few, particularly of areas or, locations that i can relate to and stuff like that they're they're really nicely done um yeah well he's a he's a fantastic storyteller so if anyone doesn't yeah. know nick danziger uh, he also he wrote a lot of travel books in the 80s going through various parts of difficult areas in you know pakistan and all that kind of area and um he actually studied art though i did a podcast with him i'm not don't worry i'm not here to plug that um but it was really interesting it was great for me because i I'd, I'd loved him since i was a kid reading his books and I was so amazed that he actually said yes to coming on and talking to me about stuff. Yeah. Um, but his big book, which I wanted to talk about, is called Another Life. Um, and it's a huge book. They published it through, uh, it was kind of a, not a Kickstarter, but it's through Unbound, which I think is um, okay. a, a kind of book um, project raising site, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to do it justice to talk about it here, but it's a huge book. It was the result of over 15 years worth of work. He um, does a lot of work with um, voluntary aid companies, charities, etc. And so in 2005, he set out to document how the UN's um, millennial goals had been implemented in certain parts of uh, the underdeveloped world. So yeah. there were these eight goals that the UN set down about how everyone was going to be educated, everyone was going to have access to water and blah, 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 all these different goals. And he was commissioned to go and see um kind of the result of those eight goals in eight different countries basically yeah why i think it's beautiful and why i think it's really interesting is he didn't just go in 2005 he went back in 2010 he went back in 2015 yeah and what you see is the the protagonists you know the the people who he met and who he got to know and how their lives have changed and how a lot of these goals essentially have not really 
he's been met, <laughs> yes. or, but also because of the many challenges. Yes. So he doesn't. Yeah. I don't. I don't think he brings an agenda. Yeah. Why I like it is a, it's extremely moving, but b, I think he's one of the few people that does this in such a tactile way and such a, a compassionate way that I. I am moved and I feel difficult, but I don't feel it's in any way predatory or anything like that at all. Yeah, yes, yeah, I know what you mean. And I think we do need to see things like this. Yeah. And and for me, it's the most comprehensive quality amount of work I've seen in that field yeah. in my very small experience of it, to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, it's a great book. Yeah, it's like a very honest approach as opposed to going with the set hidden agendas that maybe some other people would take in certain aspects. It's, it's just... This is what I'm going to go and do, and 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 does it with an honest, honest, yeah. uh, honest approach to it. He's just a natural storyteller, and yeah. I, and I think anyone like that, I feel I'm kind of a documentary photographer stuck in a landscape photographer's body. But I I couldn't do. I mean, I couldn't even get anywhere near that sort of work. But yeah. I couldn't put myself in those situations, and I feel very uncomfortable with my camera in in and around uh, other people. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Commercially, I have to do a bit of that sometimes. But you know, in terms of my own work. Yes. And so I really admire people who can make relationships with people and, and faithfully um, and sensitively document what yeah. they might be going through, which we're all kind of connected to in lots of different yes. ways. Yeah. And then my third one, it might be uh, a bit of a, it's not a cheat, but I, I, I wonder, but it's called, it's Ark and Line by Charlie Waite. Now I know people might go, oh, well, he, he does some work for Charlie, but, <laughs> which I do, but he's not trying to sell this book, don't worry, it's been out a number of years. Why I, why I put it in is because um, I still think, weirdly, that his a lot of his work is quite underrated. We, we put some of these guys in this sort of pigeonhole as being landscape photographers. I don't think Charlie Waite is a landscape photographer. He's a photographer. Yep. Some of his work has been in the landscape. A lot of it is not. And a yep. lot of the images in here, for me, are just absolutely exquisite from a compositional point of view. Yeah, I have my challenges with feeling okay, just liking things for the aesthetics. I, I don't quite know whether that's enough yep. photography. I, I come and go on that. But I think as I think he's an absolute master of, of order. And a lot of my work originates from order. Um, it's gone in different ways. But it, I come back to this book a lot because there's so much amazing stuff in there. He 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 sees things in a way that 99.9% of people just do not. And I would put him and this work in particular in this book up with any of the great things we see from the Americans of, of I'm going right back, you know, Western yeah. Strand, all the rest of it. Yes. Because there's some really beautiful just classic shots inside buildings, all sorts of things. So yeah, that is a great book to to deconstruct and understand the proper use of space within a frame uh complementary shapes uh shapes that mimic each other all sorts of things it's just it's a cracker it's gorgeous great well that's a uh, three oblique four wonderful recommendations that I've, <laughs> I've already started doodling some of them um i'm dare say i won't enjoy doodling the rest of them because there's always one or two that end up costing an absolute fortune but to be honest they all just get added to probably some of the longest wish lists that are known, yeah. to, known to exist and that's just the way it's that's just the way it's got to be you can only have so many books and like everyone else I, I buy books that that appeal to me and my everyone's tastes change over time as well and it's you buy odd you buy weird things that you maybe think afterwards 
that's a really nice book. The ordinarily wouldn't have thought buying, and and it's great speaking to all the various guests because I would say my knowledge and exposure to now names that I've never heard of opens up, and mm. it's it's really it's really quite uh, it's it's a really enjoyable process, and it's great to hear people talk about what inspires them. It's hearing you talk about those three book the three books, particularly Nick's book. It's not when you would naturally think that someone. No. someone would, would suggest and that that's what makes it great because it hopefully then people who are listening to this will begin to go and explore nick stewart's obviously most will probably know charlie but they'll go and begin to explore nick and and stewart's work and once you start exploring their websites and their work that then leads you on to other photographers and before you yeah. know it you're 10 photographers deep but but your knowledge and your 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 exposure to different styles different work has, has increased and my view is it can only enhance your own personal work as well. You you see things, um, and as you say, tomorrow your three books could be entirely different, and it's 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 always just it's always just a moment in time. Um, so yeah. what what? I, uh, yep, carry on. No, I was just going to say I think it I think it's definitely important to look at different things. And I feel even with the you know uh, research of people we did for the for the show and and in my own research i still feel extremely ignorant about a lot of the work in the rest of the world that yeah. there's some american photographers mm. sam abel was one i came across last year mm. amazing these guys have got amazing work and so it's really difficult but i would just say you and from the point of view of this podcast it is great this particular part of it i really love because it's i found some things and i think it's great to just look at different things um, and enjoy other people's work, like you said. Yeah, that, that's it. Was recently I've been buying a lot of books from Japan, um, and it's some of them are. I'm trying to get. I've tried to get some of them on the podcasts. Uh, the issues is that English maybe isn't as great, which makes it a bit trickier. Um, but I'm hoping yeah. to maybe get one or two on in the future. There's a one one in particular who's got. Uh, who's learning conversational English? He's really keen to come on, and that'd be great. So again, it's just an entirely different world. And as you see, the American photographers, there are there will be so many out there. Um, yeah. Hopefully, get some some more. I would love to get more on the podcast as well, because as you bring them on, it opens the exposure to more of their influences as well, which are entirely mm. different from speaking to the majority of uh, of. British based and even just getting European photographers on. There's a few who I've got my eye on who I'll maybe start approaching because again, it just opens your exposure to to sources of inspiration and ideas that you otherwise uh, would possibly never come across. Yeah, um, exactly. And so, what what are your plans for the for the future, Sam? Obviously, at some point you'll be hoping to get back uh, out and maybe run some workshops again. But in terms of your own personal work. Um, these obviously very much project based now and um, have you got anything that you're really researching working on as well um i think uh understandably a lot of the work i had done in the last few years has been either in italy because of my partner's italian so we go yep. there a lot she she's all the family is still there or or it's been here in dorset and i think yep. um i I'm very happy with that situation. Uh, I don't have any desire at the moment to go anywhere yes. else, to be yeah. honest. I, I feel like I've only scratched the surface in those places. So Excellent. hopefully at some point in the next two years, there'll definitely be a Dolomites uh, winter book. Brilliant. And uh, there might be a small handmade thing 
which is more to do with the project I'm doing now, which is all about uh, environmental landscape photography. So yes, there's stuff going on. Um, uh, and uh, I would say it's hard to get inspired sometimes, but yeah. I try not to worry. There will be barren patches where I literally don't go out for six months and do anything for myself, but it's kind of working. So I'm just going with that. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think everyone's the same. You, Everyone goes through periods whereby you, you really get into a project or get into something and you begin to make real good progress and then you maybe stop for a week or so and it, it's then getting the wheels back in motion again. It can always be the challenging point. Yeah, and I think actually um, somebody once said to me, you know, if in doubt, just get out. Even if you don't have an idea for what you're going out yeah. for, just get out because you do... You don't always know everything before you have to react sometimes to things you see and that yep. might spark something else that's in your subconscious so i think if in doubt sometimes when i feel a bit like i'm not going anywhere with stuff i just go just go somewhere locally just for the hell of it and something might spring off the back of it so that's always worth doing absolutely well on that note sam i'd just like to thank you for your time it's been uh, been an absolute pleasure chatting to you delighted that uh, you were able to join me and just many thanks for your time and all the very best cheers sam cheers you thanks mate cheers